0: Hello and welcome back to Silhouettes, a fashion history podcast all about the importance of the clothes we wear. Now I've got our next episode here, the deep dive into iconic eras and of course I had to do regency (laughs) my last regency episode is one of my most popular that i've done and thousands of you have listened to that so thank you so much i've had great feedback on that one and so i thought i'd offer you all another regency episode because if we're doing iconic eras It has to be done, right? (laughs) Now, this is also a fun collaboration episode with Izzy from What the Austin podcast. We basically are going to give you all a deep dive into both the history of Regency fashion, more from my end, and from her end, she's going to go into the sort of character design and how this associates with the fashion of Austin characters. And so it's a really nice little double up, both on the fashion of Austin's books and the kind of how big a part it plays in her and her character design, as well as how this merges just nicely with the actual fashions of the regency era what it tells you about people and why it's such an iconic style because it is let's be real (laughs) now as always head over to my instagram at silhouettes podcast and i'll share a lot of lovely photos to connect with this episode as i always do have that double up as you're listening to this if you want and i'll also share all of izzy's handles and things like that at what the austin podcast so you can follow her too and have a listen to her lovely austin based podcast which if you enjoy as much as i do then you'll enjoy it a lot. (laughs) But without further ado, let's get into it. Iconic eras, deep dive into Regency fashion. What was the thing that got you interested in Regency and in Jane Austen? Because obviously from my point of view, a lot of it was the fashion because since I've been small, that's the thing I've noticed. And I think like a, a lot of young people I came across it first Jane Austen's you know works in the movies because I was too young to read the books <laughs> and it really was the fashion that made me go oh I, I like this but I don't know if that's the the same for everybody else you know
1: for me the same it was um, it was actually the BBC series my mum um, used to play it when she was ironing our clothes and um, so I used <laughs> to sit with her and watch it obviously she had a lot of ironing because it's a very long series so <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah we used to watch it together in. And- I just um I, I mean I can't say for sure that it was definitely the fashion for me <laughs> I think it was just like this other world you know some I think for me maybe it was the niceties in the fact that there were mm. rules and everything but then there were characters who were willing to step out of that and be themselves and be authentic it was kind of yeah yeah I just really I just really loved that and I mean obviously all the balls and everything it's it is quite magical then obviously I, I moved on to the books and. Jane Austen's a fabulous writer and she's just got such an understanding of people. Mm. And for me at the time like I had like a fascination with people, how people think and what are people's motives and I think that's very much at the heart of how Jane Austen writes as well. So I think I just kind of clicked. <laughs> And it worked for me and it stuck.
0: I think it is the characters and the way she writes her characters that is what keeps her stories so popular, I suppose. I suppose popular is a word, but you know, they're all they're all so individual and they have, you know, their own ways of doing things and they have such strong voices, I think that is definitely something that carries through. Like even nowadays, you know, it's these books are hundreds of years (laughs) old at this point, but somehow you still find characters that you can relate to. I think, yeah, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It totally translates for now. That's the thing, like you said, because the characters are so outspoken, we can uh, find similarities with them. And Like I said, being authentically themselves as well is like Mm. super important, I think, and we can all learn from that.
0: Yeah, I suppose it comes from, because obviously Austin had a really big... Family and was very close to her sister, so that probably comes through in the character she writes. I wonder how many of them were based on people she knew and met because they do just feel very fleshed out and very real, you know.
1: Oh my gosh, hundred percent! Like I definitely think they must have been taken from people. You know, I think her personality in general is very much um even if she loves something, I think she has a need to like satirize. Satirize is that a word? Like to yeah, kind yeah, of take yeah. the myth out of it in a sense um so and I think she does that with anything I don't think anybody was safe no no so I definitely, <laughs> yeah. think, definitely think she would have been yeah picking on the locals and, mm. and they would have been characters I'm, I'm probably sure she had a neighbor who was similar to Miss Bates
0: yeah probably <laughs> or like yeah she probably met a lot of different <laughs> types of people but I guess that's the sad thing is we'll not know because of her letters were burnt weren't they or they were destroyed or something what happened what happened to them
1: <laughs> yeah a, a great majority of them were burnt actually by her sister yeah, yeah that was um, so yeah there's a lot of speculation of obviously what may have been in them she obviously was quite an outspoken person so um maybe it was political or, or was um I she knew <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably it's all about the locals um but yeah i, I don't I mean obviously we, we can't know uh what they were about um, I tend to think they're probably more about her love life, and that's why they burnt them, but um, that's just me, mm, um, you know, guessing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But I guess that's part of the fun, isn't it? The mystery of it is just as interesting as actually knowing.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think for me as well, I'm so so drawn to her, the world that she created, like mm-hmm. even though obviously it was accurate at the time period because she was writing about the period at which she lived – Mm. it's still for me because it's so distant and far away it, it may as well be a fantasy novel in the sense that it's I was a world just that I just
0: thinking that yeah
1: yeah it's yeah. a world that I can't I could never have explored and I will never be able to explore mm. in that sense so um yeah for me I'm happy that it's kind of that external to me mm-hmm. um I know a lot of people really love um kind of trying to 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 live that time but that's just not something that's ever kind of appealed to me too much not yet yeah, anyway really. I mean, I, you know, with time yeah right for me it's more of an escapism in the
0: book as opposed to kind of wanting to live it out mm, that's interesting I think that's fair though you know and I think what you I was literally just thinking I've been watching Lord of the Rings recently <laughs> just offhand because you know new tv show and everything
1: yeah um, the new show yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking when you as you said it's like a fancy novel I was looking at some pictures just to help me with this episode and I was looking at it and I was like it is almost like another world like it is like a fantasy novel the the visuals the consistency between it all is like it is just its own little bubble you know it's like it doesn't exist in our real world especially because it was such a short time period because obviously the regency era was only about 15-20 years which is quite crazy when you think about it Mm, mm. and it doesn't like really look like any other time period (laughs) in english history particularly you know it just has its own such a strong identity in all of it but I think particularly the fashion is probably one of the things that keeps it keeps it going but yeah it is fancy like almost it's interesting you said that
1: yeah absolutely it's almost maybe because the fashion and a lot of like what people did in their spare time I mean it was such a time of like things coming out that we still love now things like coffee shops
0: yeah you know these are all the
1: kind of things that kind of like brewed from like the regency era and yeah I think obviously it was obviously just like a magical time and that's maybe why we all still escape into it now
0: yeah and it was just it it Happened so quickly and was gone just as soon as it came, you know? It's just like this (laughs) flash in the pan era where everyone looked. You know, really beautiful, but also a bit strange because the, you know, the dresses are quite odd, and just was, you know, roaming around in nature and going to hat shops and drinking tea, and you're just like, what happened to that? How <laughs> that followed by Victorian times, which oh was so God. dark and brooding, and like, yeah, it's really
1: fascinating. Yeah, there was something so elegant about it compared to like the Victorian era, which suddenly mm. becomes very industrial and dark and gloomy. It's, mm. it was kind of like the last hurrah <laughs>
0: before we yeah, hit the, it's the industrial era. Very soft and gentle. And light colors and gold and all this kind of stuff. It's so yeah, different. yeah, it is so different. Personally, I think it is the fashion that keeps that consistency up of you know it looking quite magical and the visuals being so strong. Because obviously, you've got the kind of nature element. I think is quite a big part of both Regency and Austin, and also you know the the, the sort of big country houses and the you know gilded tea rooms and all this. But if they were in different clothes it wouldn't be quite as recognizable as that time period for me. I don't know if you feel the same way.
1: Yeah, no, I do totally get that. And I think as well, something that I really recognize, particularly from the adaptations, is Mm. they often try and reflect either their personalities, Mm -hmm. or um, I think in the 2009 Emma, they do a really good job of reflecting the seasons. And that's something Uh, that I think, like you were saying about like nature and everything, I think Um, I think they were kind of moving into the romantic era. I'm not sure if they were yet at it, you know, When obviously it was like um, Blake and Wordsworth and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, like you're saying, that's that connection to nature, isn't it? And mm. um, the seasons and everything. And I think that that does show in her work a
0: lot. And then obviously that's kind of reflected in the adaptations as well. I think Emma's actually a really good one to talk about in terms of the adaptations and the characters and, you know, what they wear because... Emma Woodhouse, obviously herself, is like a really great character, just in and of herself. <laughs> in yes. the books, but also in all the adaptations, you know, she's she's so great. She's just I just I love the way she's represented. I don't think I'd like her in real life. <laughs> she's one of those. Oh, interesting. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I'm just like oh, I feel like she'd get on my nerves a little bit. She's just very high spirited and thinks she always knows. Right, which maybe she does, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, maybe
1: it'd be great to be Emma not to be Emma's friend. I think
0: so. I think so. But the way she's represented, I think in every version, it really represents her character and I think really plays on the fun of Regency um fashion. I don't know if you listened to my other episode. I did one on Regency um fashion, but a lot of the um adaptations show, very soft colours, you know, muslin, white, sort of light blues and things like that. But actually, when you look back at Mm -hmm. fashion plates from the time period, they loved like lemon yellow and bright blue and hot pink. And you do forget that. And I think adaptations of Emma are really good at putting Emma in the bright colours that were popular at the time. And I think that is to sort of sum up her character. Yeah. I don't know if you found that, but it's always something I've really noticed and I've really appreciated it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you can also imagine that, uh, because obviously Emma must shop in in Highbury and one of the shops there where whoever the dressmaker is, Mm. and you can almost imagine that there's there's one dress of the bright colours. And obviously with Emma being basically the queen of Highbury, she gets the pick of those dresses. And everyone else seems to be in the more, you know, the the more neutral colour palette, like you were saying. And Yeah. yeah, I think it really just elevates her character, which needs to happen because Mm. of who she is. And I agree, it is really playful. Um, I really love how they dress her for the strawberry pickings in the adaptations because they do really play on the fact that she's going strawberry picking. She's always in these like pink colors then it is really playful. I agree. And that's very much her personality. She is a playful character and
0: flirtatious. And and she probably would dress depending on where she was. She's like, well, I'm doing this. I have to wear a dress that suits what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, and, and that's really fun. Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. I really love that about her. And I think they do a good job. Personally, I prefer the 2009 things where they use more florals and it's kind of a little bit more discreet, but yet still stands out compared to all the other characters. Um, yeah. But I know the most recent film, she does wear some vibrant stuff. And don't get me wrong, I mean, the aesthetic is amazing. Mm. Um, sometimes I think maybe it was like two fancy prancy for um because obviously she never leaves highbury like she's very much a country person even though she has money and she's not
0: exposed as
1: much it's not like she lives in town where she's exposed to all the fancy stuff i think that's why mr mrs elton shakes things up so much for her
0: true though i did think that too but then yeah i looked at a lot of um you can you can sort of find fashion plates and things like that on museum websites and even for like country outfits some of them are just the you it's like Bridgerton. (laughs) oh my gosh you didn't just come you completely don't expect it you know and I thought oh well they must have done a lot more um research for that movie than maybe people give them credit for you know I'm sure there's a lot of articles online about the design of the fashion I think I read one before but they wanted her character to be very elaborate and highly decorated because she is quite a spoiled character yeah yeah (laughs) she's very wealthy and she wants to represent herself through her clothes. And so it is interesting to think that, oh, they must have clearly found some of these things similar to what I did and went, oh, (laughs) people did wear these things. You really don't expect it. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't think that could be said for everybody, but um, I think there were people even in the country dressing in, you know, some of the just brightest (laughs) beaded shocking outfits that you can imagine with like two foot feathers on their head and stuff like this. And you just think, oh,
1: (laughs) Can you imagine there's people out shooting and you've got these all these feathers on your hat and <laughs> there's people shooting pheasants down the road? <laughs> yeah, no,
0: But like you said, I'm, I'm sure it was more in the towns and in the cities like Bath and stuff like that where people were, you, you know, wearing the things that made them stand out more because they needed to stand out for various reasons. Whereas if you're, you know, at your home in the country, you don't need to... seen in quite the same way unless there's a reason to be
1: (laughs) no but I totally get what you're saying because I think regardless because Emma's always there she would definitely want to stand out Mm -hmm. um just to kind of you know remind everybody of her status in the town like I suppose maybe if she was in she would have been like a small fish if she'd been in London maybe but in Highbury she's definitely top dog so and
0: that's maybe why she doesn't want to leave yeah because she wants to be you know she wants to be seen as Big fish in the small pond, like you said. She wants to be the what the, you know, the bright, elaborate one that everyone thinks. Oh, Emma, she's you know, she's so gorgeous, she's so fashionable.
1: (laughs) She has the best dresses, the best (laughs) bonnets
0: because if she went to bath, she'd be like, I just look as good as everyone else. So we can't have that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I get it. Girl after my own heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting to see how all the different adaptations go about it. Especially with, I feel like Emma is one of the most popular ones, but I actually it probably is one of the most popular isn't it next to Pride and Prejudice it's probably the second one in popularity I think I think because of the the
1: most recent film it's grown in popularity I think um before it was probably Pride and Prejudice then Sense and Sensibility but I definitely think Emma's taken over in the past few years
0: because that adaptation was a lot of fun I can see why people didn't like it I can you know it was a bit more silly and perhaps cartoony than other ones. Especially if you've got this idea of the Regency era of being very muted and soft and gentle, that film would have completely flipped that on its head and you would have been, you know, that's not your expectations of what you want from something like that, which is
1: fair. <laughs> right, right. I think they definitely played on like the caricature. But again, that's still, that's that's something that's very Regency.
0: Mm.
1: Um, I think, like you said, it's more of our expectation of what we want to see for Regency as opposed mm. to what the actual time period was like.
0: Yeah, because I, I really didn't know how fun it could be until I started to do more research because, you know, you've got Pride and Prejudice 2005 in your head when everything is very muted, sort of brown, <laughs> it's, yeah, earthy know, colours, <laughs> like, which is fine. It's very natural colours, but that doesn't completely represent, you know, how, how it all would have looked but I think that is an interesting one to talk about actually we'll we'll move into that one nice and seamlessly there because it has such a strong visual identity that film I think.
1: Yes absolutely and I think for a lot of people that was actually their introduction into Jane Austen. Yes I hear that all the time.
0: Yeah I think it did a
1: really good job of not upsetting the Jane Knight community but mm. also welcoming new people in, mm. in We've been lapsed to find something that's done that since, I would say. I think it's one of the best examples of doing that. But there are things that are, you know, it is maybe that is like the things like the muted palette and things. It's not so... I don't know. I feel like it's easy to put people off if things are too extreme. I think
0: so. Yeah. Like, like something like... Where
1: this is nice on the eyes. Yeah, ice. something
0: like Bridgerton, obviously, you know, it was um, probably the polar opposite to that <laughs> adaptation, particularly in terms of what people are wearing and, you know, how they show, you know, put themselves out of society and stuff. But that really garnered a lot of... It was like, you know, a Marmite show, you loved it or you hated it. But I think that was because it just went there.
1: <laughs> to the extremes in all a way. the way with everything yeah <laughs> yeah. it's almost like if you dip your toe in it's, it's a bit it's a bit gross but if you go all out with everything and yeah. the music's a little bit modern it was just yeah that just makes it you know
0: amazing <laughs> just accept it and just let it happen you might end up enjoying it which I did eventually <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> no I was the same yeah at first I was like mm, this isn't they're doing it all wrong this isn't Regency <laughs> and then the second season I was like mm, I really like that actually <laughs> it's
1: oh my gosh it's so funny that's like the only Regency thing that that my boyfriend's actually been like oh when's the next season coming out I was like oh my goodness like, like obviously wow. it appeals
0: to all <laughs> yeah yeah because it was a lot very fun whereas I can see why the 2005 Pride and Prejudice just as it's complete like complete opposite really and you know tonally how a lot of people could be like, oh, that's not my thing. It's slow. It's a bit boring. But that's similar to Bridgerton. If you just let yourself be in it, you will love it.
1: Yeah, it's definitely my quick fix for if I want to watch something in Austin, and I've not got hours <laughs> to yeah. spend on one of the BBC or ITB ones, then mm. yeah, I do love that one. You know, it's, it's, it's such like a peaceful watch. It's just really, really nice. And I really like what they do with elizabeth's
0: outfits in that one i think they really hone in on her love of nature i agree i at first i thought the costumes were like just boring i thought you know they didn't put much time into this they're too simple but then actually when you take the time to look at them in detail there's actually a lot there and they really i think they really tried to make it as um enjoyable to look at as possible you know to fit with the tone that they were going for as historically accurate and also to represent the characters yeah I think I think they did a good job with that
1: yeah I think so I think it's one of the ones that really they really thought about who the characters were and what they would wear like I think you definitely see that with Elizabeth with the earthy tones and like the browns and the greens and I think you see, I think Lydia is a really good example in that one as well, of all the ribbons and mm-hmm. um, she almost looks kind of, she's kind of a cross between a school girl and kind of seductive. And it's it's kind of a weird mix yes. but also works for Lydia.
0: Yeah, and especially at like the ball scenes, I think that's the times where you see it the most because Lydia, you know, she's got feathers in her hair. She's got, you know, the longest gloves, like silk gloves and earrings and sort of, She looks the most, um, I don't know, adorned, I suppose. Whereas then you get someone like Mary, who even at the ball is just wearing nothing. (laughs) You know, no accessories. (laughs) Her hair's just like sort of tied up a bit, but not really in any special way. And so I think it's very subtle in that movie but if you know what to look for it's definitely there and it's just for, it's still very in keeping with the time period but in a way that maybe is quite different to something like Emma because a lot of people would have worn you know these are these, and these girls didn't have as much money I think is also a point
1: yeah and I think some people get kind of caught up I think they maybe made them look a little bit too poor in the 2005 ones that they, they almost <laughs> looked they almost looked like they were like uh, living in the wilderness kind of like thing farmers but, yeah um, yeah, like, yeah farm exactly girls. I think they, they maybe made them look a little bit too full but the point is i think they wanted to highlight that elizabeth's declaration that she's equal to mr darcy mm. was a bold statement in the sense that yes status-wise they are because she's a gentleman's daughter and he's a gentleman but at the mm. same time that that i mean that is a long scale like this <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. there are there are whole opposite sides of it yeah, and
0: yeah
1: yeah i think they maybe just wanted to emphasize the the difference between the families um because I mean if you look at Caroline Bingley what she wears it's all very extravagant it was all like reds I mean not not to the extent of the 1995 version with her and Mrs
0: Hurst I mean they really go for it with her don't they (laughs)
1: yeah but you can still see the the difference and I think that's maybe what they tried to pick up on in the 2005 one
0: yeah I think so I do quite like that I think it was quite a smart move because it it doesn't make them look less than it just sort of shows a slight difference especially when you get someone like Bingley compared to them you suddenly realize oh they you know they're quite different they're they're on the same sort of social scale but something about their personalities are just very jarring yeah I totally
1: agree or you can like see obviously something's gone a little bit astray and things are like obviously a little bit more dire for them now and yeah I think I also think it was probably a good move because I think if you've not read the books and you don't understand the the world in which it's set Mm. I think it would be difficult to understand why there's so much controversy between like J- Jane and Bingley marrying and Elizabeth and Darcy marrying so I think they do a good job yeah. of kind of showing that there is a bit there is differences between
0: them and that's why it's so talked about by everybody because it is like ooh, the Bennett sisters you know they're a bit not notorious but you know like country folk yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so that, yeah uh, the visual way of doing it was I think that was pretty smart Speaking of Pride and Prejudice, we'll jump straight back in. (laughs) I think we have to talk about uh, Mr. Darcy. I'm sure you agree. Yes, absolutely. Um, In terms of... His visuals and his fashion because I think male regency fashion is really interesting and often gets overlooked because it also has a very strong sort of iconography to it. High waisted, often three quarter trousers with the long socks and the shorter jackets with the tapered backs, it's like it's a really interesting style that you don't really see a lot. And I think the way Mr Darcy is represented, both in the book and um in all the different incarnations, really just represents that he is a very 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 upper crust kind of man you know he's from the top of society but also he is a lord he has expensive taste he's quite arrogant you know he wants to be sort of seen and not heard I think yeah like a presence in the room (laughs) yeah and he just completely exemplifies the the high class fashion of that time period and I think that's a very interesting part of his character to me, because <laughs> the two feed in so nicely.
1: Yeah. I've always been so fascinated with the male fashion in the sense that it looks so grand, but also so practical. Like they all look ready to just jump on a horse and they'll be good to go. But <laughs>
0: yeah. But it
1: also looks actually well, like a weird balance.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think actually that's not massively dissimilar to what women were wearing too, because well the dresses look a bit like I think the Empire shape is a bit odd. Having the kind of really short bust line with the really long straight dress is is an interesting style. But it also does seem kind of more comfortable than a lot of the ones before and after, you know, the high corseted kind of shape. And because women didn't even really wear corsets in the same way because you didn't need to with that kind of dress. It was kind of quite a practical era, really, wasn't
1: yeah, it? Yeah, and I guess the way that it sit as well, you, it's quite easy to pop an apron on because you see that a lot in Sense and Sensibility mm. with, like, Eleanor popping an apron on all the time. Yes. So I yes. guess, yeah, I suppose, like, I mean, I'm not saying because you're going to go in the kitchen, but even, like, if you're doing, like, embroidery or something, I'm sure you'd probably pop a apron on or something just to keep your yeah. dress from, like, snagging or something. So. And even
0: to, like, do more practical stuff, like, outside, like riding a horse and, <laughs> yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's
1: almost like they you know they wanted to look good but also they wanted things to be practical I mean that's not a bad way of looking at fashion is it really
0: (laughs) pretty good in my eyes but that I think definitely with the male fashion it's sort of it is this really interesting mix of like really sort of quite cartoony in a way with the the coats with the you know really long lapels and long backs that sometimes you know almost go to like their knees but then is you know a tailcoat kind of style but is also very practical because you can ride in them
1: (laughs) yeah and i really think they emphasize that with darcy as well because he's said to be really tall so i think they they really just like push the the long coats just to kind of emphasize that a bit more like he's kind of the the person looking down on everyone
0: yeah that's very true and also i did read that apparently really long trousers would have been quite notable in the time period because certain men would have only worn the sort of short knee length thing with sort of the high socks that you know sort of tied on to the trousers whereas low you know long trousers in high class society were seen as you know practical for riding and things like that but not necessarily for high class attire so that kind of says a little bit about his character that he is part of this upper world and wants to represent him himself that way but also slightly scorns it maybe <laughs> yes that's actually
1: such a good point. He almost seems like he he likes to be fully covered up because he's, mm. um, I'm just going off kind of like mostly the Colin Firth adaptation, but he's like all in black. He's yes. kind of like this dominant figure, like kind of brooding in the corner, isn't he?
0: <laughs> yeah, he is in all of them, actually. He's always wearing really dark colours, you know, either like dark blue or black. Whereas a lot of the other men in all the different adaptations wear a lot of sort of Cream and yellow and colours like that, I notice a lot.
1: Yeah, greys. I think the only one that wears kind of darker colours, but again, is much softer than Darcy, and that's more like Henry Tilney. Mm. But he, again, it's much softer. It's more like even kind of more autumny vibes
0: um, compared to Darcy, which is, is, Black. is very
1: <laughs> off like yes <Black> yeah. velvet, <laughs> well,
0: you know, things like that. That it, Yeah, I, I, I like that depiction of him, actually, because it's sort of got the gothicness of his character, but also makes him really like distinguishable. I think it's quite a smart choice.
1: Yeah, I feel like it plays on like his mysteriousness that yeah, that he's kind of like this this character that's kind of looming over everybody, but also he's really mysterious and mm. people aren't sure where they stand with him. I mean, particularly Elizabeth, she's not. Obviously there goes a period where she thinks that he's the villain in a sense mm. and that Wickham is this scorned man and um yeah. I think keeping him in these dark colors really kind of hones in on that is he the villain we're not sure in um yeah and actually he's just kind of a little bit awkward and i think he wears dark colors to try to stop people interacting with him. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of does it to push people away but uh, yeah i think it, it does it, it really emphasizes kind of the un- how unsure people are about him originally
0: do you think that's where the thing tall dark and handsome comes from <laughs> yeah maybe do you think Is that in the book? (laughs) Well, she said that he's said to be fine, a tall person,
1: handsome features, and noble. So maybe, you know, the first tall, dark, and handsome was was Mr.
0: Darcy. I'm going to say that it was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, we're coining it right there. (laughs)
0: Yeah, But you did mention Wickham, and he's also a really interesting one to me, because I think his first impressions are quite interesting because they, you know, they talk about he's very distinguished, he's a very handsome man and they instantly like him. And I do think that is partly what he wears because he's never really not seen in his uniform, right?
1: Right, it's as if um, his uniform kind of uh, commands an element of trust Mm. in a sense. Um, Although he is in the militia and I did read somewhere that apparently the militia, it was kind of like, the ruffians tended to end up in there, but I think mm. you know, in general, just wearing a uniform did—you know—people would just you know, admired you, and they thought, "Wow, look at that red coat yeah. and
0: everything." And it's red as well—the bright red coat with the sort of you know, with the white um, paneling and the gold buttons. It's just the polar opposite to someone like Darcy.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it, it, to be—it's funny though because should he be in his regiment he would have blended in but then when you juxtapose him against Darcy and the the gentleman of the town he really does stand out and he he looks more approachable even though he is in a uniform yeah
0: I think he is an interesting character because actually for him and Darcy the way they dress is actually the polar opposite of what they actually are yes you know and I think that partly maybe is why Wickham stays in his militia uniform and dresses in a certain way because he's quite a manipulative character. And that is part of his manipulation. You know, it's his way of making people trust him before they've even spoken to him and, you know, making them have opinions about him before they've heard all of these things that, you know, he claims are not true. I think that's quite interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of reminds me, um, I've recently been doing episodes where I compare um, Disney villains to Austin villains. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, I saw <laughs> that. That kind of yeah, that kind of theme of having a villain who kind of looks more approachable, and then the hero looking kind of more brooding and dark, and mm. um, kind of more frightful. Um, is obviously being carried on like across fiction, mm-hmm. across you know media. Um, so I really think that you know Austin was so clever in in kind of using fashion. Mm-hmm. In clothing and how she chose to dress people um, to kind of reflect or or not reflect their true characters, but for it to be more of a shock to us. So it obviously wasn't a second thought for it. It's obviously something that she was conscious about. Yeah.
0: And I definitely think obviously living in an era where you are very much defined by what you wear and how you present yourself far more than we do today. Like, I just don't think we even understand how, (laughs) you know, how huge a part of society that was. I think she would maybe even do it without even realizing it, it was just a, it was just how you lived your life, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hundred
0: percent. I think. Um,
1: yeah, so, so so that's what I mean. It's so difficult to think about that, isn't it? Because we live in such a different time now. And I mean, I don't know what the Wick and Darcy equivalent would be in today's fashion sense.
0: <laughs> you guys from like Made in Chelsea or something like that, you know? Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. You can always just tell when they're a bit more posh, you know. <laughs> you don't know what it is, but you can just tell. Yes. <laughs> you can just yeah, you I'll just get, get that scent like <laughs> but I do think that's interesting and I suppose her living in Bath for a long time probably played a really big part in that was she living in Bath after she write, wrote Pride and Prejudice or is there a crossover there oh that is a good question I can't remember I went to Bath recently and I went to the Jane Austen Museum <laughs> it was very fun
1: yeah it was kind of early on, I think. I think it was just after she finished her education that she went mm. to Bath. I mean, don't quote me on this. I'm, I'm, I'm. Te- like I said, I'm terrible with me- remembering fact stuff. But um, and it was early on that she wrote, well, started writing at least Pride and Prejudice, then called First Impressions. But uh, yeah, I think maybe it would have been a crossover period. Obviously the fact that she moved from a couple of different places, I think maybe Bath did have a massive influence on her because that was probably the most like the biggest location that she lived for yeah. the longest time. So and obviously Bath there was loads of stuff going on back then. It was kind of
0: second to London. You know, second yeah. to London, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Go. It was definitely
1: like the party capital. Yeah, absolutely. So I can imagine that was definitely a place where she got a lot of inspiration from people and was exposed to stuff that maybe she hadn't been before, kind of growing up in yeah. a in a parish in um, the
0: countryside. I've got it here. She lived in Bath from 1801 to 1806.
1: So that's a bit later than when she started it, but literally not by much at all. Yeah. I think she may have even started it in 17-something. So, yeah, I, I think maybe it would have been a kind of close. Maybe she'd started it just before, but she may have even still been writing by the time she got
0: gone to Bath. That might have even... Um you know, inspired some of the choices she made in the novel. Because it was published in 1812, something like that, right? Around that time period. So it was published afterwards.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think Uh, think 1813 it was published. um, But she was, I'm trying to remember when she started writing it. I want to say seventeen. Ninety-seven, Like it was literally really close time period to that, what you were saying that she was living in Bath. So if she started writing it in 1897, 1898, say, I mean, 1798, um, Mm. 1797, then it's likely she was still writing it when she moved to Bath. So maybe, maybe, yeah, that did impact then how she changed some of the aspects of the characters or maybe influenced more. Uh, But I think you can see is she like the stuff that she started to write after things like Emma
0: you can see more of an influence, I think, of, of fashion and, and stuff. definitely North Abbey, obviously that being set in Bath. Like, I feel like it's a book that's very obsessed with status and people being quite shallow and, you know, being coded by what they're wearing. I don't know if that's maybe just my interpretation of it, but, you know, the main character in that c- comes to Bath and just this whole new way of being put into a box depending on how you present yourself. So that might have definitely been <laughs> inspired
1: by that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think she may have. Even, I think she started writing that before, just slightly before Pride and Prejudice as well. So there's definitely probably. I mean, I beck- reckon that book probably changed so much after she moved to Bath mm. and had more of the influence there. Mm. I mean, obviously, most of her books go go through some sort of um, transition because most of them change the names <laughs> from what they were initially called. So. <laughs> Well, they all do. And it took so long to write
0: a book. It's not like now. he <laughs> didn't have word.
1: Right. Right? No, exactly. No, exactly. She's not like Stephen King, just like writing out a chapter a day. She's, um, you know, would have taken a while. Yeah. And editing would have she taken is, ages. Yeah. yeah. And
0: especially as a woman of her status, I'm sure she had to do a lot of it in secret before she became, you know, known as a writer. So you just probably snatch times when you can.
1: Yeah, I think she was quite private about it when I went to the Jane Austen house. Um, her writing table was really small and she used to kind of, they said that she liked the kind of wrote stuff and then just like hid it away and stuff. I mean, I can't even imagine. I can't find notes that I write. If I put them somewhere, that's it, they're gone. Do you know what I am mean? ever going to find them. Can you imagine if I had like
0: chapters of a book hidden around
1: my ears? It will never be
0: finished. It wouldn't ever be finished. <laughs> it, just, no. it would never I, I happen. I honestly do not know how people wrote books before computers. Like, even a typewriter, I can't even fathom it. Literally, honestly, it's quite, quite amazing. Even essays at school, like, how would you do it? I just would have failed everything. So no, it's <laughs> I guess it's you don't know any different.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That's the thing. It would have been what you knew, exactly.
0: I think to round off, we have to talk about persuasion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because... The different versions versions of Persuasion are very interesting. Obviously, we haven't talked about every single Austen novel because, you know, we just cherry-picked the best ones. But I think the new Persuasion, particularly in terms of fashion, was, um, I don't know if you found this, but in a kind of fashion history, uh, vintage community, it was quite controversial. I can imagine. I
1: mean, it was controversial in many ways, so I can imagine they didn't stop with the fashion.
0: (laughs) They didn't. (laughs) Now, I actually, I went into that thinking I was really going to dislike it because I'd read that it was bad. Um, and actually, I ended up quite liking it just because I looked at it like Bridget Jones or something. I completely separated it from the regency of it. And I, think... and I was like, right, this is just an easy...
1: <laughs> an easy rom-com. Yeah.
0: And then I was like, I, actually, I like it now. Okay. But I did have to completely shift my view on it, particularly in terms of the fashion, because I didn't really can't say I was a big fan of <laughs> a
1: lot of Yeah, that. it was weird. There were some outfits that I really liked and I thought if they'd been chopped above the knee, I totally would have worn them. But there's, there was um, there was some things that they added that I was just so, it was just too much. You know, it was just like added things. I think there was a part where she was wearing kind of like a choker. Like, listen, for me, I was just like, that was just like too much because the outfit was already quite a lot. Yes. And sometimes she wore a hat with an outfit that I was like, wow, that outfit was already quite... Extreme, like the hat was a bit too much
0: on top I was of it. Really, all. yeah, I was like really conflicted about it because, like you said, there were some outfits which I really liked. I can't remember her name, but the woman with the ginger hair that's sort of vying for her dad's attentions right at the beginning.
1: Oh, I do know exactly who you're on about. The one that ends up with um, Mr. Elliot at the end, yes. but she's after. The vicar's daughter. What's his name? Oh, what's her
0: name? I can't remember. (laughs) It's completely gone. I can't remember either. It's completely gone from me. I really liked her fashion. I think she looked really cool. She looked really over the top and sometimes maybe a little bit too Victorian, but she was a slightly curvier woman. So I think it's sort of naturally going to happen if you're wearing, you know, a dress like that. But I did actually really like her fashion and i think it did represent her character pretty well because she just looked so over the top compared to everyone else whenever she was in a scene
1: <laughs> i agree i feel like she it really played on the fact that she was trying so hard yeah like that desperate <laughs> i think her name is mrs clay i think or miss clay or i think i i think that was her That's name it, yeah yeah
0: it must be yeah. Gosh, she's
1: such like it's, it's weird though isn't it because she's such like a, a sideline character but you're right I think they really did emphasise that she was really trying to be noticed yeah. uh, with the way that they dressed her it was quite it was quite in your she face she was really
0: someone I noticed because you know as I do whenever I watch a film like this the clothes are one of the things I noticed and I just it's just how <laughs> my brain works I suppose yeah I know
1: I can imagine yeah because that's what you're you know you specialise in yeah exactly
0: and it, it something is ruined for me if it's not right it's really silly, but it's just the way it is. And she was someone that I, I picked up on and I was like, oh, she looks actually quite cool. Like, I'm I'm a fan of what they did with her. But then Anne, obviously the main character, there was just something wrong about her, <laughs> the way she looked. Not, not in terms of her, but just the way she was styled just... I couldn't put my finger on what it was I think it might have been her hair it was not stylized enough it was yeah it was always straight
1: (laughs) yeah yeah what's really interesting as well is that didn't stop with the fashion it was kind of her entire personality was incredibly different to who she is in the book Mm -hmm. and I think they tried to match the fashion to this new personality they created Yeah. but the personality didn't really fit into the world that they'd put her in And neither did the fashion then, if that makes sense. It was kind of all like a bit of a clash.
0: Yeah. And
1: that's the kind of vibe I felt. She was always wearing really dark stuff. And and I do kind of sense that with Anne maybe just wearing more muted colours. But she almost looked like she was always in mourning. Like (laughs) kind of
0: depressing. Yeah. I, I didn't really understand what they were trying to do with her character because on the one hand, you had someone like her sister who you know, her older sister, not the one who's always pretending to be sick.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, Elizabeth, the the older one, yeah.
0: (laughs) Elizabeth, yeah. But she obviously is meant to be a bit of a one and the way they designed her costume is perfect for that. You know, especially the scene where she's putting the feather in her hair and you just think, you don't need that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, and and everything was a lot for her. Yeah, and
1: it's just like that added thing.
0: (laughs) That made sense. And then they were trying to put Anne as... On one hand, a very... You know, soft, gentle, sensible, sort of capable middle daughter character. Mm. But then, some. But then she was always, you know, drinking from a bottle of wine and being quite like outspoken. And I really didn't understand what they wanted from Which that character. And I think that's why her costuming was a bit confused. Maybe that's just my interpretation of it. But no, I think
1: that makes a lot of sense because I do think her character was confused. It didn't match Anne of the book, but then didn't quite match something new either. So it was, it was. I, I agree. I think maybe that is then reflected mm. into the clothing where she's almost, she's got these high net dresses, but then there's other elements of the dress that are kind of more revealing if that makes sense and it's kind of strange or she's got this massive hat on which draws so much attention to her face yeah
0: and and she doesn't wear enough jackets (laughs) no (laughs) no you know the small little um jackets that they used you know they would have worn in the regency era are such a huge part of the costume and they kind of made these dresses that was like a combination of it with the It was like a dress and jacket in one (laughs) i can understand what they were trying but i just don't know if it I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's almost your worst nightmare when you go to the shop and you see this jumper and you're like, oh, I really love that jumper. But then there's a shirt sewn into yeah. it. And you're like, I don't quite like the shirt. So <laughs> you've got to go for both because it's attached.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a really interesting article on Vogue about um, the fashion designer. It's an interview from the fashion designer of this version of Persuasion. Oh. It's quite long, but it's really interesting. And she says like she, she wanted to get inspiration from... Rock Chicks of the 80s to 60s classics, which I don't really think that's really... Rep- wow. I don't know. What? <laughs> yeah, that is, that is really wild. My gosh. I- <laughs> and it's interesting because I kind of see there's something they're saying something here about how a lot of the other characters are very, very feminine and wear very sort of feminine outfits, you know, light colours and lace and things like that. And so they wanted Anne to be quite different from that, from wearing much more structured, darker coloured clothes, which I can see that. But I also don't know if it represents what her character is at its core.
1: No, no, I don't think so either. I did. For me, it was Anne wasn't quite right for me in that in this adaptation mm. at all. Yeah, it didn't sit well with me. I think, I, I think what's sad as well, I think they did, like you said, they had some other good costume choices. Like I really liked the way Lady Russell was dressed a lot of the time. Uh, her outfits, the one where she's at the picnic... That, that whole scene just looks so pretty. Yes. Yeah, and I think like you said, like Mrs. Clay, it's almost like they focused on the... They, they got the kind of the, the more minor characters right mm. and then obviously it kind of missed the mark with the main character. I think they put her in a lot of blue as well and I don't know whether that was because... Wentworth in the Navy and they were trying to get this like sea vibe
0: yeah well I was like is that not just too flashy I really liked the way Wentworth was dressed I thought his costuming was really good his outfits look like they've been taken out of you know fashion palettes of the time I appreciated him so then so then I think having her next to him and her being very very ahistorical was was an odd combination as well I don't know there was just something a bit jarring
1: (laughs) off about it the only thing that bothered me a little bit about Wentworth is he looked so rustic all the time and obviously if he was in like the the navy like you you look quite smart when you're in the military and I feel like I know he's been at sea so maybe he does look a little bit more rustic but I would have thought being a captain, yeah. even when you're in like your casual clothing, you'd still be quite put together where he always had like his shirt hanging out. and He you just know, always <laughs> sort of looked
0: a bit like he's just like rolled down a hill or something and just come back, you know, like he just always yeah, looked a bit like messy. Yeah, he just rolled out <laughs> like, of
1: bed. Yeah, he's just got back from a rough night out or something like it. <laughs> yeah, And
0: you're like, Wentworth, well, are you okay? <laughs> like,
1: yeah, <laughs> didn't look quite put together. But I do, I think, right. yeah, I think they got the colours better for him like they were really they again like earthy colors in the blues i think made sense for him because i think that reflects kind of what his color palette would be as a person Mm.
0: (laughs) he does then contrast quite a lot to a lot of the other men in the blue because a lot of the other men in that film didn't really wear that kind of bright blue so i think that was quite a smart choice but you're right he did always look a bit messy
1: (laughs) and he hasn't in other versions no no and I think they did a good job of Mr. Elliot because I think he looked really like kind of villainous. And he, obviously he is. He did. He was he was very open about the fact that he's a villain.
0: Yeah, I but, quite like his character. I know I shouldn't, of, but I'm like, yeah, you know who you are.
1: They made him so like likable in this one. I don't even know why, honestly. I was like, I'm, I'm kind of really drawn in.
0: I know, that was the problem. I was like, I know I'm not supposed to like you. And in every other version, I haven't. But in this one, I do. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm drawn in by you. But I kind of like that they put him in like he always looks so formal and put together and a bit pompous, but it wasn't um in the sense that
0: Sir Walter Elliott was. It was kind of more of a sophisticated mm. look. And he always has this top hat and a cane. I really appreciate that he always had a cane because that was a big thing for men. A cane was like, you know how women always wore gloves. A man would often in this time period have a cane. It was like quite a big part of the general outfit. So oh. I think that kind of solidifies him as, you know, quite a well-to-do fashionable man who like, I think that was a pretty smart choice.
1: That's so interesting because they don't often add that in, do they? So that was, that's no. interesting that they chose to do that with him. And I think he's a good choice to do that because like you said, he's kind of this put together man in he's calculated. And I think, yeah, I think his outfit choice is really really mirrored who he is yeah,
0: I did I also like the top hat too because it kind of always made him a bit taller than every other man <laughs> Yes, yeah there's
1: like a really good scene when he's kind of facing off to Wentworth on the cliff side and he looks kind of like um like he's kind of looking yeah they're kind of facing off but Mr Elliot with that bit of extra height on his top hat I think it probably makes him feel a bit more powerful I think so
0: yeah yeah I, d- I did appreciate that as well I, I did like that. I did like the movie. I did, like, enjoy it while I was watching it. And if I think about it too much, I start to dislike it. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those you have to like on a surface level. Mm-hmm. But I do think it was also her hair really bothered me. Yeah, it was a bit flat, I think. The... It was just always so flat. And you, you people would have had their ha- worn their hair down and worn it straight, but it would have been different. Like, if you wore your hair down and straight like that, you would have probably worn... A bonnet or something else in it. But on the whole, people curled their hair. You know, it was, you didn't wash your hair, you didn't wear it straight.
1: <laughs> I think most people would have slept in like either with like ribbons curling your hair or, you know, I think that's how most people did. I'm not sure. I I, I think it's like they, yeah, they stripped ribbon pieces and tied their hair so it curled it. And yeah, I mean, that's, I think, because obviously when you're wearing your hair up, it was probably easier to do an updo if you kind of had these ringlets mm. that they could place as opposed to just kind of your whole head of hair is just falling down whereas yeah she did kind of look like
0: uh, nobody was looking after her hair. Yeah I I (laughs) don't know why the hair always bothers me because it's really the thing that solidifies a time period a lot you know like 50s hair for example is really recognisable the same can be said with Regency hair it's got a really distinct style especially all those tiny little weird ringlets that just like frame your face in a circle (laughs) you know (laughs) that It's really interesting.
1: I, I agree, and I think the fact that they chose not to constantly put her in a bonnet and they use different styles of hats, I think they really should have focused on her hair more because we saw so much of it. Like usually, it's kind of hidden in a bonnet, and you don't see that much of it, so it, it doesn't—you don't have that much of focus on it. But because we saw so much of her hair, I get why it's kind of a focus for you because it
0: was everywhere. Yeah, and if she's meant to be like the sensible middle sister, she would want to keep up the the pretense of how she looks, you know, and be as neat and sensible looking as possible. So it just kind of felt quite jarring to how she is in the books to me.
1: Oh my gosh, 100%. Uh, and in the books would have had very, you know, she has she's just neat and tidy do you know what I mean she's not somebody who draws attention to herself no but she's not she's incredibly intelligent and thoughtful and yeah I think they kind of missed the mark with her in this In
0: this. she's ad- not a messy character no and I think you could have had some really fun scenes because people used to um use like hot irons you'd put hot iron in the fire and then you'd curl your hair that was how they got a lot of the ringlets no I think you could have had some really fun scenes of her doing her hair <laughs> you know like modern they wanted to make it modern yes I think they missed the, the a trick with doing that because that would have been quite fun.
1: Right I think they tried to pull too much of modern humour forgetting that Regency actually was a time of loads of humour like I was saying yeah. it's like the time when caricatures were created and mm. you know satirising politics was very much that time. And it
0: was quite a modern time period really. Yeah it was it,
1: absolutely I don't think they needed to pull so much of our time to make it entertaining. Yeah. I think there's very much elements of Regency that's not been touched on that is
0: entertaining. Which Emma the Emma movie did do well you know the part when she's like warming her bum in the fire yeah it's stuff that's funny but accurate (laughs) it was very in keeping yeah exactly yeah which which was fun but anyway we'll stop bashing persuasion now
1: Everyone will think this is all I do. I jump on different podcasts to bash the persuasion.
0: <laughs> I saw the goods that's in it did well. Say, didn't you hate persuasion? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, that's not what i for. <laughs> I believe you don't worry. <laughs> it's <laughs> being critical. Or when you have an interest in something, you can't help but be a bit critical. And, you know, you do notice things that other people wouldn't notice. So
1: Yeah, I think so. And we've got so many representations of when it's done well. I think that it's difficult than when it's not.
0: Yeah, that's really true. Like there's definitely some time periods where you don't get a great deal represented of it. You know, there's not as much source material or, you know, things like that. And so you kind of just take what you can get and you're a bit less um, (laughs) fussy about it. But I definitely think Regency and Austen particularly is one of those ones where there is so much source material. It's such a great visual era. There's so many other good versions of it. If you do one that misses the mark, it's just you'll know it, you know? Uh, Yeah. It's like, yeah, it just stands out massively. There's so many
1: eyes on this kind of, on like Regency Mm -hmm. work, but I think that's, that totally goes full circle to what you were saying right at the start of the Mm -hmm. episode, that it's such a a notable period, like people can distinguish it from the fashion. Mm -hmm. So I think like if they do get certain things wrong or they decide to change it, really that in itself can be a big mistake because People are really drawn yeah. to the how different it looks. I
0: also don't think people quite would realise how much the fashion represents the era and that's probably a lot of what they like in it. I think, you know, it's a lot of, yeah. you know, the vibe and the, the energy of it and a lot of that is because of the fashion, you know, it, it that's what solidifies it as Regency and I do think you have to get that right to then get all the other elements right and maybe that's me just being biased towards (laughs) fashion history I don't know
1: but that's how I see it at least I don't know I mean after this conversation I'm starting to think like maybe subconsciously it is something that's always drawn me back to it I've just never realized
0: it isn't like any other time period you know yeah there's there's so much it's so visual and the colors are so you know recognizable and there's just something about fashion of that era that you just know Regency straight away yeah yeah but maybe that's just me
1: (laughs) no I think I think you I think you've convinced me I feel it now I'm gonna be like oh no
0: (laughs) you're gonna watch all these movies differently now (laughs) I've ruined it Uh, you know I'm gonna (laughs) be looking out for the fashion it will be interesting now if you go back and read the books I know Um, and if there's any you know mentions of fashion or the way people are dressed or their first impressions that you now look at maybe with a different eye that you weren't looking at before that would be interesting to see I, I
1: definitely will and I'm, I'm gonna be sending you <laughs> messages
0: well uh, you know that's what I want for my podcast to people just just kind of take a look at the fashion and you know it's not just a silly frivolous thing there's a lot to it to be unpicked right right
1: it's definitely a conscious choice and it's yeah you've got to get right
0: hope you all had fun listening to that it was really fun to <laughs> record i love talking to people about very niche interests that we have it's nice to know that there's a little shared community out there izzy has the nicest voice ever to listen to so i completely understand why she does a podcast i hope you learned a little bit from this i found it really interesting really interesting to talk to someone who knows a lot more about austin particularly the books than i do so that was really really fun as i said right at the beginning of this do head over to both of our instagrams to have a look at some of the things we might share over there it's at silhouette podcast and at what the austin and also listen to izzy's podcast what the austin podcast it's available everywhere i think so do head over and listen to that if you like this episode as much as i did because you will love her podcasts as well as always everybody thank you so much for listening stay fab everyone and i will see you in the next one